Our talk this evening, Tuesday the 30th of March 2021, is on grass and weeds. To begin with, we'll look at uh, a case in the koan collection, the Shoyoroku. It's case 89, Dongshan's No Grass. And it goes like this. Dongshan is a, a great Chinese Zen master. Dongshan said to his assembly, at the beginning of autumn, when the summer training period ends, all of you will head off to the east and the west, but you should go directly to the place with 10,000 leagues of no grass. Then he asked, how will you go to the place with 10,000 leagues of no grass? Shi Shuang, another teacher, said, when you emerge from the gate, there is grass. Da Yang, another teacher, said, I would rather say, even if you don't go out the gate, everywhere is covered with grass. One song, one of the compilers of the Shoyoroku, provided an introduction, commentary, and note to each case. To Dongshang's how will you go to the place with 10,000 leagues of no grass? He added, Dongshan is luring cats into a dry well. Dongshan was the co-founder of the Chaodong in Japanese Soto school of Zen. His monastery was in southeastern China, whose humid subtropical climate meant that grass and weeds flourished along the paths and roads. Each year, after the three-month-long retreats in summer and winter, a number of monks would go on pilgrimage, visiting other temples and perhaps testing their understanding with other Zen masters. In this koan, at the end of the summer retreat, Dongshan is seeing off a group of monks who are about to set off on their pilgrimage. In doing so, he presents them with a challenge. How will you go to the place with 10,000 leagues of no grass? On hearing this, Shi Shuang, who was hundreds of miles away, added a note of caution. When you emerge from the gate, there is grass. He's saying, mm, take care, monks. A world of grass awaits you. Then, several centuries later, Da Yang puts in his two cents worth. Mm, I'd rather say, even if you don't go out the gate, everywhere is covered with grass. He's saying, hmm, monks, there is danger if you stay in the monastery. Even there, you will find yourself surrounded by grass. Finally, one song observes that Dongshan is luring cats into a dry well. He's presenting 
his departing monks with a, a dilemma, which is the job of a, a Zen teacher, by telling them, go directly to the place with 10,000 leagues of no grass. That's the, the, the nub, the, the heart of the koan. How do you go directly to the place with 10,000 leagues of no grass? A contemporary Zen teacher, Jerry Shishin Wick, gives a helpful commentary on this koan. And he writes, For Americans, grass makes up a beautiful lawn, but to the Chinese and Japanese, grass is a weed. In the rock gardens of Japan, blades of grass are immediately removed. It's just gravel and rocks and trees and moss that remain. No grass means no weeds, no delusion and no attachments. 10,000 leagues of no grass means no grass anywhere. So, in this case, if you go outside the monastery gate, there's grass. And if you don't go outside the gate, there's grass. What are you going to do? That's the end of his commentary. When uh, Amala, and, Amala Sensei and I lived in the States, one of the things that struck us was the immaculately maintained front lawns of the homes in suburban Rochester, upstate New York. Uh, there's a cult of lawn mowing in the States, far more so than in New Zealand. And woe betide you if you allow the grass to go to grow rampant on your lawn. You will soon feel the wrath of your neighbours. And behind this compulsive grass mowing, there is the sense that nature has to be tamed, domesticated, held in check. Only then can its greenness be admired. For a more positive uh, take on grass, we have case four in the Shoyoroku, which goes like this. When the Buddha was walking with his disciples, he pointed to the ground and said, here would be a good place to build a temple. The god Indra, who was accompanying him, took a blade of grass stuck it in the ground and said, the temple is built. The Buddha smiled. One song, as he did uh, in our first koan, adds his commentary, which is, repairs won't be easy. Repairs won't be easy. So we've got a really sort of Zen, humorous quality to it. How do you repair a blade of grass with miniature scaffolding and tiny ants wearing hard hats? Of course you can't. The blade of grass is whole and complete, just as it is. In Uji, being time, a fascicle of the Shobogenzo, 
Dogen writes, Know that. There are myriads of forms and hundreds of grasses throughout the entire earth, and yet each grass and each form itself is the entire earth. The study of this is the beginning of practice. And then elsewhere in the Shobogenzo, in the Mountains and Rivers Sutra, he writes, There is a world of sentient beings in a blade of grass. And in another fascicle, the measure of a single blade of grass is clearly the measure of the Buddha ancestor's mind. Just this one blade of grass, all that's needed. Tiang Tong, the other compiler of the Shoyuraku, composed a verse for this case, for case four. Two lines, the first two lines from the verse are, on the hundred grass tips, boundless spring, taking what is at hand, he uses it freely. On the hundred grass tips, boundless spring, taking what is at hand, he uses it freely. The departing monks have to take up Dongshan's challenge of going to the place of no grass and use it freely, not getting stuck in the duality of enlightenment and illusion, not being caught up in concepts about going directly to that place where not a single blade of grass grows, to that vast emptiness, which is also the place of boundless spring. So with grass, we have weeds. There's a book that was published in 1966 entitled Flowers Fall, which is Yasutani Roshi's commentary on Dogen's famous Genjo Koan. It's the only book-length work by Yasutani that we have in English. The title is taken from two lines in the Genjo Koan. Flowers fall amid our longing, and weeds spring up amid our antipathy. Flowers fall amid our longing, and weeds spring up amid our antipathy. Again, the trap here is to fall into duality, to view flowers as being attractive and weeds as being ugly. Behind these lines lies the second noble truth, which addresses the two main factors that cause suffering. On one hand, thirst, attraction, desire, pleasure. And on the other hand, its opposite, aversion, animosity, repulsion, pain. We suffer because we are attracted to things that are transitory, the flowers that fall, and we suffer because we are confronted by what we dislike, the weeds that keep proliferating. 
an alternative translation of, of those two lines. Flowers fall even though we love them. Weeds grow even though we dislike them. In affirming faith and mind, we chant, to founder in dislike and like is nothing but the mind's disease. Bokushan Nishyari, a scholar and Zen teacher, gives an illuminating commentary on these two lines from the Genjo Koan. So we'll read his commentary. At the time of delusion, flowers are flowers. At the time of enlightenment, weeds are weeds. At the time of delusion, three bowls of rice and two bowls of soup. It is the same at the time of enlightenment. Then what's the difference between delusion and enlightenment? It's just that in attachment, flowers fall. In aversion, weeds spread. Now, this is fun. For what reason do flowers fall? Ordinarily, when we have love and attachment, we say, Oh, beautiful, I want to keep them in bloom forever. Then flowers fall. How do weeds spread? They spread from the feeling of aversion. We say, ah, oh, that's disturbing. Here they come again. In this way, falling and blooming arise from love and hate. Originally, there is no falling or blooming. You say that you dislike weeds, but farmers use them for fertilizer. They wish for more and more weeds. For them, weeds are not weeds. Men, women, young and old, go on a spree after viewing cherry blossoms at Ueno or Mokujima. But dogs lie underneath the trees every day, thinking nothing of it. They are busy looking for leftovers under the trees. Look now. For those who do not fall into the duality of love and hate, there is no blooming or falling. For grasshoppers, weeds are their world. When weeds spread, they feel comfortable having a new living room. When the frost comes in desolate winter, it kills the grass. And the grasshoppers believe that their Buddha hall is destroyed. And they think the Buddha hall is crushed and needs to be restored. And we can think here, hmm, repairs won't be easy. And he, finish, he finishes up. Look at this. Insects do not think that weeds are in the way. While I was uh, preparing for this talk, I took a break and I went outside to do a bit of weeding, pulling up stalks of kikuya grass around the edges of our lawn. While pulling up the grass, I couldn't help but marvel at the tenaciousness of the kukuya, its life energy, the way it clings to the earth. Pulling up one stalk 
often involves pulling up other interconnected stalks so that it's like you're pulling up a network of grass, a matting of grass. You could be pulling up the entire lawn. And when you sort of kneel down and get close to the grass, a whole new world opens up. A world of ants and patches of earth and each blade of grass becomes apparent. Which brings to mind a koan in the, another collection, the Mumon Khan. And this is case number 47 from the Mumon Khan. Toshao's three barriers. We'll just do the first of the three barriers. And it's... This is Toshu speaking. You make your way through the darkness of abandoned grasses in a single-minded search for your true nature. Now, venerable one, where is your true nature? That's the, the first part of the Koran. So you're on all fours, groping in the darkness. At that point, where is your true nature? Outside the monastery, inside the monastery, grass on all sides, where is your true nature? And I'd now... Um, like to look at uh, a number of poems from a book, Unforgotten Dreams, poems by the Zen monk Sholtetsu by Stephen D. Carter. Uh, Zen monk Sholtetsu's dates are 1381 to 1459. He suffered a series of misfortunes in his life including a fire that consumed all of the poems of his first 30 years, more than 30,000. In 1414, after the fire, he took vows as a Zen monk at Tofukuji, a Rinzai temple in southeastern Kyoto. All of his life, he would consider himself a monk, although one for whom poetry was both a profession and a religious calling. His personal anthology, Shokonshu, or Grassroots, contains 11,000 poems, the single largest body of work in the Japanese literary canon. So Shotetsu, uh, he wasn't a Zen teacher, he was a Zen monk, but he also worked a living by writing poems and he was supported by his poetry disciples. So let's have a look at some of his poems. Each one has a title. He gives him a title. First one, Buddhism Blossoms. With every new spring, the blossoms speak, not a word, yet expound the law, knowing that, knowing what is at its heart. 
With every new spring, the blossoms speak not a word, yet expound the lore, the dharma, knowing what is at its heart. In case six of the Mumonkan, the Buddha, seated on Vulture Peak, held up a flower before the assembly of monks. Only the venerable Mahakashapa understood this teaching and broke into a smile. Before we had a single blade of grass that became a temple. And in this Quran, the Buddha holds up a single flower. Next poem, Buddhism at Night. To one who wanders in the gloom of this world, even a pine torch held aloft by a peasant's hand is a happy sight. To one who wanders in the gloom of this world, even a pine torch held aloft by a peasant's hand is a happy sight. In Zen Master Hakuin's Zazen Masan, there are the lines, from dark path to dark path, we've wandered in darkness. This is the human condition. But unexpectedly, there can be a glimmer of light to guide us, to help us on our way. Next poem, Summer Writing Brush. When I look upon the rich sheen of summer hairs, in my new brush I am saddened by a deer drawn at night to a hunter's torch. When I look upon the rich sheen of summer hairs in my new brush, I am saddened by a deer drawn at night to a hunter's torch. This is another very Buddhist verse, one that gives us insight into the interconnectedness of all things. As a writer, Sho Tetsu would have valued his brushes, and here he admires his new one made from the hair of a deer. Then he realizes that the deer would probably have been killed to provide him with his writing implement. Next one, love related to grasses. If for even one night the grasses of my passion were cut and gathered, ah, what a pile they would make, a mountain reaching the clouds. If for even one night the grasses of my passion were cut and gathered, ah, what a pile they would make, a mountain reaching the clouds. Shotetsu composed waka, and these are all waka, a five-line five form of poetry that was practiced at first by the aristocracy of the Heian court. And in this tradition, it was not out of place for even monks to write verses of love and longing. 
In the first of our four vows, we chant endless blind passions, I vow to uproot. In Sholtetsu's verse, the grasses of passion are piled up until they reach the clouds. Next one, hut of grass. And when my body ends, its brief stay and decays, then the moss will age, the grass of my rustic hut becomes a burial mound. And when my body ends, its brief stay and decays, then the moss will age, the grass of my rustic hut becoming a burial mound. In a number of places, including Japan, there are burial mounds covered in grass. Edgar Herzog, in his book Psyche and Death, writes, Earth burial is not the earliest form of burial, but it was certainly a very early form, and it is likely that it originated from the observation of what happens when a dead body is left to lie on the ground. If the unburied corpse does not become the spoil of beasts of prey, it is almost visibly drawn into the earth in the course of time as it is grown over, enveloped and grown through by plants and vegetation until it becomes part of the earth kingdom. And the last verse by Shōtetsu, entitled Buddhism. Just grasses, trees, every living thing in life must borrow its form from the myriad of things a Buddha can become. Just grasses, trees, every living thing in life must borrow its form from the myriad of things a Buddha can become. There's a story in uh, a recent book, Hidden Lamps, 25 Centuries of Awakened Woman, about the famous Layman Pang and his family. Layman Pang was a uh, enlightened Chinese teacher. In fact, his whole family, his wife and his daughter, were all enlightened. And in this story, as always, the family was discussing the essential matter of birth and death, of realizing one's true nature. Layman Pang, who had been studying the sutras, suddenly exclaimed, Ah, oh, difficult, 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 like trying to store ten bushels of sesame seed in the top of a tree. His wife answered, Easy! Easy, easy. It's like touching your feet on the ground when you get out of bed. Neither difficult nor easy, said the daughter, Lin Zhao. It's like 
the teachings of the ancestors shining on the hundred grass tips. It's like the teachings of the ancestors shining on the hundred grass tips. While her parents bring up the duality of difficult versus easy, their daughter leaps beyond them by showing that the essence of Bodhidharma is right there, shining on the hundred grass tips. This is another aspect of grass in the Zen teachings. It can stand for the myriad phenomena of this world. The universe is manifesting itself through all these blades of grass. Every blade of grass. Just that. To end with, uh, I'd like to read some lines, plucked, if you like, from Walt Whitman's famous poem, Leaves of Grass. Leaves of Grass is an epic poem celebrating nature and human nature in all its aspects. It forms the wellspring of modern American poetry. I downloaded a, a PDF of the longest version of Leaves of Grass, and there are many versions, uh, but, that's, but I downloaded the, the deathbed version. Walt Whitman died in 1892. And then once I had the PDF, I then did a, a search for references to grass. And there are many. And here are, here are the main ones. So I'll just read them once. There'll be a little gap between each, and I won't, uh, I won't comment. The, uh, they, they clearly stand as they are. I lean and loaf at my ease, observing a spear of summer grass. Loaf with me on the grass, loose the stop from your throat. A child said, what is grass? Fetching it to me with full hands. How could I answer the child? I do not know what it is any more than she. The dried grass of the harvest time loads the slow-drawn wagon. I believe a leaf of grass is no less than the journey work of the stars. Behavior lawless as snowflakes Words simple as grass. O sun, 
O grass of graves, O perpetual transfers and promotions, if you do not say anything, how can I say anything? And the good green grass, that delicate miracle, the ever-recurring grass. We'll stop here and recite the four vowels.